Hello, everybody. I'm Dwayne Mancini, and welcome to another episode of the Project MedTech Podcast. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. For more information on Project MedTech and to sign up for our monthly newsletter, visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, and follow us on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcasts by searching MedTech Money on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. MedTech Money is an interview-style podcast focused on demystifying raising and investing capital for MedTech companies. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Rook Quality System. Why Rook? Because getting a medical device to market is complex, not unlike a game of chess. There are as many moving parts as there are pieces on a chessboard. You need the perfect strategy and tactics, and that begins with your very first move. That's why at Rook, their mantras make every move count. They may not be experts in the Queen's Gambit, but they are experts in quality and regulatory strategy for both emerging and established medical device companies. If you need to comply with regulations in domestic and international markets and time is of the essence, don't make another move without Rook. Check them out at rookqs.com. In this episode, our guest Milton Yarberry at ICSNI discuss bridging the gap between development and regulatory teams, the most common differences between the two groups, how to overcome these different thought processes, strategic shifts in your mindset, and so much more. So without further ado, my discussion with Milton Yarberry. Medical innovation starts with Milton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome for the second time. So uh, for <laughs> for everyone um, listening in, uh, this is the second time we've recorded this podcast because for the first time in 200 and some episodes, we, we had an issue <laughs> when Milton and I recorded this the first time. Uh, so welcome back for the second time, Milton. It's refreshing that we can still have technical issues in this day and age of, you know, things that just work, right? Yeah, right. Um, so, so Milton, for the listeners, uh, a, a quick intro to to yourself, your background in the space, what you do, and then uh, what you currently do at uh, ICS. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm uh, the director of medical programs at ICS. Um, ICS is a company that basically does you know custom software for medical devices. Um, it's a company that's been around since like 1987, and we're in sort of the Boston area, um, and we. We do like human factors engineering, UI design, as well as like application and right on down through the OS and you know all the low level nitty gritty um, uh, code um, right down to device drivers. So we're sort of a full service company um, doing software and medical devices is our biggest specialty. So um, yeah, that's 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 where we're from. Sweet. And what does uh, ICS stand for? Is it Integrated Computer Solutions? Is that it? Uh, I believe it's integrated computer. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna botch it because I always get this one confused. It's either systems or solutions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, awesome. And so, uh, have you have you been there a while? What did you do before this? Like, what led you into ICS? Yeah. Were you were you you know in the medical device space or what was that like? Yeah, my my background actually sort of mirrors the uh, the arc of this topic of you know. Um, uh, the gap between uh, like engineering and regulatory development and regulatory. I, I started out over on the software side doing like complex systems, machine learning, architecture, 
you know, migrated into project management and eventually regulatory. So I've sort of been on, you know, not just both sides of the fence, I'm probably still somewhere in the middle. Um, but uh, yeah, basically about over about 20, I guess getting close to 25 years now, from, you know, uh, making that arc from engineering to the regular, regulatory side of the practice. Very cool. So <clears throat> the topic for today, um, we've covered product development, um, we've covered regulatory, we've covered quality, we've covered uh, commercialization, we've we've covered the uh, marketing versus product development uh, or, or, or engineering, um, uh, I guess, tension. Um, today, we want to talk about another gap, which is between development and regulatory. Um, that that a lot of uh, med tech companies have to face, and so do you kind of want to set the stage with um, uh, why these two groups sometimes may or may not get along? Yeah, yeah, and and, and I'll even sort of go a little further and say, you know, if, if you're not familiar with these areas, there is sort of an underlying historical tension between the two groups, um, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll go into some of the reasons why, but. Uh, to some people, this is not just you know a, a known problem. This is kind of legendary. So, um, and it, yeah. I would put it right up there with you know the bridge between engineering and mark and marketing and, and those sort of things. This is like a third leg to that stool. Okay, cool. Um, so, I mean, I, first off, I, I, the, the first point I normally make uh, around this is just taking a look at the like native characteristics of and when I say development, I guess I could could just say engineering. Um, you know, engineers versus regulatory, you would prob probably natively think that they're fairly different, but it, it's sort of worth acknowledging how so. Engineers are very, you know, ad hoc, very um, practical, very pragmatic. If, if, if they discover a problem, they go and try and fix the problem. Um, if that problem means throwing away a solution, um, bringing a new solution, or a minor hack, you know, these are all the same in the engineer's realm. From regulatory, you know, of course, they're going to have a very, of course, safety-minded, um, very process-oriented, and very hierarchical. Like, you know, you determine how things are in the beginning at the top level, you follow that down to the next level, down to the next level, and they expect all that to be consistent and kind of infinite in that way, very principled. Um, so that's kind of a native characteristics behind the people doing their work, but there's also um, a big difference in the, in the workflow. So an engineer, you know, they can go in basically, I, I, I won't say circles because that sounds a little derogatory, but, you know, they can get into a debug test analysis and fix, you know, loop for an indefinite period. And that is very much, it's wherever your nose takes you, you know, you got to follow that. Um, regulatory by comparison are very, okay, what's our intended use? What are the user needs? What are the requirements, specifications? They start at the top trace down phases, defined static processes. So very different tendency around work workflow as well. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, <clears throat> so they obviously think uh, uh, differently, right? They, they, they work differently. Um, so where does, where does the gap lie? Where's the overlap in terms of, <clears throat> you know, when, when, I think a lot of times um, people new to device probably think that it goes, okay, well, you do product development, 
and then you flip it over to regulatory. But uh, anyone who's in the space knows that that can't possibly be the case. Um, regulatory is getting involved there. So, so how do you have this like constant pooling of, you know, I'm sure, I'm guessing engineers are probably like, well, you're slowing me down. I can't be dealing with this right exactly. now. And regulatory exactly. is like, no, you have to do this right. So, so can you kind of lay that, that groundwork as well? Yeah, I, and I would say um, here's the tendency. You know, I've been working in consulting for for uh, over a decade, uh, probably probably almost coming up on two decades. Um, the the tendency for everyone is that we're going to do the right thing. You know, we're gonna we're gonna use regulatory like you're supposed to use it at the beginning, and it's 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 not anybody's um, you know reluctance to do the right thing. It's that when the pragmatic factors take hold. Um, that regulatory piece, that documentation, it always seems to sort of make sense to defer that. So, so that's the natural tendency of the industry. Additionally, I think in this great, you know, East versus West debate, engineers versus regulatory, there's a tendency to look at the worst players or the best players and use them as, you know, uh, paint, paint the entire category with that. But, you know, frankly, you know, you can have collaborative um, uh, people on the engineering side where they are happy to comply, but they really need unambiguous direction. You know, they don't need, here's the concept, figure out a way to apply it. Um, and then on the regulatory side, you can also have a person who is very, look, I'm going to tailor your process. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to walk you through the steps and it's all going to be good. That's on the collaborative end. And, and, but, but really the East versus West controversy started with the you know, the engineer who's like, God, you know, I hate writing documents and, you know, you know, code kind of is documentation, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, you, know, you know, maybe the notion of like, well, it, it works. So therefore, my job is done. You know, the, all this yeah. other paperwork is somebody else's problem. Um, and then yeah. the flip side of that on the regulatory, you can get somebody who is like letter of the law and uh, even worse if the law is ambiguous and but rigidly enforced. Yeah, no, we, we, we talk about this frequently. We talked about this at our um, Project MedTech Startup Symposium in Houston, Texas, about uh, when this gets released like two months ago. Um, and the idea was, you know, how does quality and regulatory not stunt innovation, right? Like, like you, you, the quality system at a Medtronic, Johnson & Johnson, Stryker, you don't need that level of quality slash regulatory at a five-person startup company, right? Um, so how do you, you know, kind of scale that? So, so I guess my question to you is: um, it seems like we know where this needs to sit, how they need to work together, right? We know it's an issue. We know they how they need to work together. Everyone understands that. What are these complicating factors that? cause this to kind of splinter at a at a, a med tech company yeah and and and, and before before even answering that I, I would say that there is a you, you know to the simple thought of you're slowing me down uh the solution there is you know all the fda is trying to do is make sure that your device is safe and effective you know every device manufacturer i've ever spoken to you know they're on board with that mission um, they're not on board if it means that they have to, you know, sign documents frequently in a certain color ink. Um, but that just means that you did a terrible job of tailoring, tailoring your process. So there is a way to have both and to actually use the requirements by the FDA um, as your principal, like, operating method um, and, and in a way so that all it really accomplishes is safe and effective. 
So there's a way to bake it into the process, and there's definitely ways to not bake it in, save all of the ingredients to the end, and then make something that tastes terrible. I love that. Um, I love that. <laughs> so uh, complicating factors, though, of course, are the things that uh, you have to navigate around. Um, mm -hmm. and, and one of them is what I mentioned, um, you know, it, it, it basically process lag. So uh, by that, I mean, you know, the engineers, you, you get your funding, you hire engineers, get going, start coding something, solve this problem. Um, where's, you know, what's the process we're following? Where's, you, what should I be creating? Tell me. And if that answer doesn't come until you're you know, halfway through your development cycle, then, you know, you've obviously created a, a process debt situation. Um, so, and it creates a need to catch up. So, you know, step number one, don't lag. Start, start with uh, a baby process in the beginning. All I want you to do is, you know, these three things, we're gonna write that, that's our process document, go. And then you grow your process as you, as you become, as you, as you go through your, your development cycle. Um, you add a little bit more, a little bit more. Okay, now we're hitting the point where we should be testing things at unit level. Okay, now we've hit the point where we, um, uh, where we should be testing things at uh, integration or system level, so. Progressive, um, so don't wait, and then and and then when you create something, make it small, and progressively make it larger. Okay, awesome. Um, and so uh, when we talked about this last time, I think you had a handful of of, of complicating factors here. So do we want to move through some of these yeah. step by step sure. and, and and maybe explain them? Yeah, I, I have the, the, there are these diagrams that explain the various standards. So there's what the FDA wants, the regulations. Right. And then there are standards, which are sort of like uh, pre pre-formulated ways to meet the regulations, but they're mm -hmm. not laws in, in and of, the, of themselves. The regulations are written by these uh, standards bodies. Um, and, you know, the, the standards are frankly complex and a bit vague. Um, yeah, and, and and Milton, real quick too, just from the the standards you're talking about, you're talking about IEC, ISO, ASTM, right? Are you talking about those types of standards as an example? Exactly. Yeah. So, for example, even just the basics of uh, 1345, which is your your quality management system. Yeah. Uh, 62304, which is software development. Um, you know, uh, electrical safety around 60601. Um, and even UX, um, you know, is starting to become more things, 62, 366. So, yeah. so but what's weird here is that, like, you know, if, if the FDA wants, you know, good compliant companies, why don't they just tell you what to do? Mm -hmm. Why don't they just say, here's what we expect, concrete terms in the regulations, and, you know, then, then you, it's un unambiguous and you get better um, traction. And, it took me a long time to sort of uh, reflect on this and crack this one, but basically, I, I, I think what the FDA is doing is is that uh, you know their their purview is huge. It's from tongue depressors down to remote surgery machines. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's 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 so big that you can't write a single set of procedures that work for all of that. So really, what they want is they want the manufacturer who is very situation specific and to, you know, very tuned to their scenario, they want them to understand the risks and uh, the efficacy of their product and how to demonstrate that. So it's kind of like a, mm -hmm. we could do the thinking for, for everybody, but then we own it. 
if the manufacturer does the thinking, then they own it. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So, so, so more or less the, um, <clears throat> the ambiguous process here, um, could is, is one of these complicating factors. Exactly. Right. Right. So okay. It, okay. it's a fact that, that, that you haven't been told what to do and you really need to do the heavy list, lifting of saying, this is what we should do. Right. Right. Okay. Um, uh, you know, one of the other ones you had written down was complexity and late discovery. So, so, um, how does the, how does this differ from the ambiguous one? So this is like product complexity and it's okay. basically saying that, you know, in putting together uh, a 2022 medical device, you got everything in there. You got, you got cybersecurity, you got software updates, you have databases, you have phone apps, you have, you know, uh, backend processing. All of this is like uh, software that stacks one on top of the other. And, you know, it's easy to get to 12 or 15 pieces of software, you know, even just major pieces of software that you're putting together. Um, so what that means is that something in there is not going to work. It's inevitable. You know, you, you can't put that many boxes together um, and not right. have, frankly, several things not working. Um, so it's this unrestrained complexity, a staggering amount of content. And, 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 and it's worth noting, it's not like this is going to get better. It's only going to get worse. So as the timeline moves forward here, our products become more sophisticated, not less. That will always be true. Um, so it means that you have to build into your system um, the fact that, you know, halfway through your development cycle, you're going to figure out we can't use this type of database with this hard drive because of the way that we're reading and writing so fast, we're wearing out memory. Mm. Okay. Um, managing so. change. This, this was another one. Um, yeah. And, and so, so, oh, go ahead. Well, no, 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 please go ahead. I, I, I can jump oh. into these too easily. <laughs> So. <laughs> now, what I wanted to bring up was this, this seems like this could be 100% the biggest area of, of complication because um, as an engineer, I'm guessing as you're building this product, things are changing fairly quickly, right? You're in the development phase. And as a regulatory person, you're like, whoa, 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 hold on. Everything needs to be documented. I need everything, you know, in here, out of your head on paper. And so I could very easily see how this would get confusing. Um, maybe talk about um, pre-verification and validation and post-VNV um, and, and the overlap. Yeah, it's uh, that that line is basically just the one around um, how much work you have to do um, in pre VNV. Uh, at that point, your product is unfinished, so changes you make are uh, less scrutiny, less overhead. Um, once you're post VNV, by stepping into VNV, you've said that our software, our engineering, now meets all of the requirements, and if that's found out to be not true then the burden is much higher, meaning that by stepping to VNV, you said you were done. If you're not done, that doesn't just mean you have a bug. That means that your process is broken. It didn't get adequately tested in engineering. Verification and validation, uh, there's kind of a distinction. It's not really testing, engineering testing. It's assuming that everything works, and it's just proving that everything works. Um, so the and, and when you're in the post-VNV world, 
you know, it's not just the fact that now you got to rip out your database and reconsider your memory and, you know, do all this work. It's also the fact that, oh, your risk management picture, um, back to safety, uh, you do all this write-up of your risk management side, you have to reconsider all that with all the changes that you're making. And then mm -hmm. complicate that further by a change control process. So you normally don't get, uh, change everything all at once. You normally get, here's one change, oh, here's two more. Okay, here's six more that are coming and they all have overlapping, okay, which thing are we looking at when and what risk are we, so it gets crazy complicated fast and that's why programs take so long. Yeah. So much longer yep. than planned. Okay, that's super helpful. Um, the, the, the last one, was uh, conjugative saturation. Oh, and cognitive, yeah. Cognitive saturation, that's that's me butchering a word. Um, and so, uh, um, okay, break 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 this down for me. Is this more of like so, a philosophical problem or is this is this really in the details to, to software as a medical device? This, yeah, I, I think the, the thumbnail sketch is, you got a software engineer um, if they have to know software and they also have to know regulatory, that's a lot of boxes to cover. Got it. Got it. You know, they probably have, you know, 10, 20 boxes they're covering on the engineering side, everything from the technology yep. to the tools they use to, and then they got to go through all these processes, which if you don't spell out, you know, um, and keep as simple as possible and walk them through it, you know, it's just going to be blah, blah, blah to them. I get this. So, so this is, this is, you know, this is a, a really interesting one because uh, some people are kind of like that Swiss army knife and, and, and really, really, really well-rounded. Um, but then I, I think to your point, um, you know, you have to be an expert at some point in something and you can't pretend to be an expert in all these different areas. Like it's okay to right. know enough to be dangerous, but there are a lot of people out there who, who probably flirt that line of, oh yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a software engineer, but I know enough about regulatory, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So, okay. I, I, I understand this one because uh, I've seen this. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. So, so I understand the uh, complicating factors here. Um, so uh, this, this is, is how we this solve is great. it. What do we do about that? Okay. Or what do we do about yeah. these things? Right. And that's, that's exactly what I want to get into. So we, we kind of laid it at the groundwork. We, we almost said it like tongue in cheek. This is so easy to do. We know we have to do it. Just do it. And then we, we kind of then further laid it with, well, this is why it isn't done this way. So, so how do we, we just talked about all the complicating issues, made it seem like a task that can't complete. <laughs> so now how do we bridge the gap? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I, I mean, and uh, of course, whenever you get to lay out a presentation, you get a chance to make it much simpler than it is. So whatever I'm portraying, it's probably four times worse. Right. Um, <laughs> so, um, so the bridging the gap. Uh, so the first one, just back to that first one we talked about, you know, fuzzy processes, lagging processes. I think we already said it, which is just, you know, don't do that. Don't have meanings come up with a tiny process in the beginning. Okay, all I want you to do right now is here's my 20 requirements for this product, which is like, you know, a, a laughably small number. Um, and here's, uh, you know, maybe uh, double that number of specifications developed to these specifications. And, you know, let's review the document, you know, once a month. You know, that's simple. 
you know, you can write that down. You, you, you start with the thin end of the end of the wedge and then you grow it to as needed. Um, oh, there's one other thing I was going to mention here that we didn't say before. Uh, these days the, there are e, like EQMS tools out there. And what these are, uh, they're a combination document control system and requirements management and a way to keep it all official. Don't, don't decide to use one of these tools like 50% into your development cycle because it just promotes chaos like you wouldn't believe. Um, a lot of people start out with, well, we can just do it in Excel until it gets unruly. And then they try to jump into a system that they don't know how to use and nobody has, knows how to use. And about the time that they're finishing their product, they're finally become competent at it. So it, it ends up being a mess. So if you're going to use one of these EQMS systems, do it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I, I, know, I know I was saying start with a small system, but you can do that in these EQMS systems. Yeah, great advice. Awesome advice. Um, the other thing you had down here, too, was um, KISS. Uh, keep it short and simple. Um, I've always used the analogy KISS is keep it simple, stupid. Um, right, and I was just avoiding the stupid, the, the pejorative. <laughs> I yeah, worked for about I'll, three I'll minutes trying to make that not stupid. So. <laughs> thanks for going there. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> um, I love it. Um, all right. So um, the the other comp the, the 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 complexity or the the issue was complexity and late discovery. How do we bridge this gap? Yeah. So. Uh... Again, this is product complexity. Uh, you're stacking too many blocks. Those blocks is going to have a problem. You're going to have to rip it out along with all the ones that touch it. And what do you do about that? Well, it tears a big hole of change into everything that you've done. Um, so when you write that, when you write your processes, um, just assume that everything is circular. Everything, you know, just just write in. Here's the change loop. Here's how everything gets changed. Um, don't, don't write a linear process, expect you won't have to, you know, recurse back through it. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you can do things like even just like, uh, on the design reviews for your, for, 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 for your design documents, aggregate them, you know, don't do them one at a time, you know, um, uh, the other main thing here to help you with, uh, the product complexity and discovering problems late is um, having a tight cross-functional development. So basically have your soft, you know, don't just let your software engineers develop software in their ivory tower. Um, they got to be in there with the mechanical engineers. They got to be in there with the system engineers. They even got to be in there with product marketing. So in as much as you can, don't let your team go off into their little realms and um, not realize the dependencies they have because those, Okay. Those, those dependencies mean that they're completely blindsided by it when you have to change something. Yeah, yeah. Don't be, don't be, don't be siloed. Um, you know, this is this is certainly something that um, even a cr more broadly across uh, companies that you have to deal with as you scale. Which is, you know, when you're when you're in the startup land and it's just a couple of you, um, you know, you're things are getting done. You're wearing a lot of different hats, but then as you grow, especially as the leaders of the company, you have to start wearing specific hats, right? And it's hard not to get siloed when you start to do that. And so I think it's a great point um, that you made of, of even just at a high level, culture level within a company is, is not to be too siloed um, because that's when things stop getting done. Um, 
What about uh, the managing the t- the change piece? Um, you know, how, how are we bridging that gap? Yeah. So, uh, in terms of managing the change, so the obvious is sort of upfront diligence, which is sort of easier said than done. Um, to uh, in terms of uh, preventing change, basically, the one of the I would say the key method. If I had to uh, say uh, do an, any one thing to prevent late stage change um, for all of our medical device customers, it would be do an extensive like user interface prototyping step up front. I mean, like build a kind of a working model of how the product's going to work in user interfaces, um, and then use that to through your marketing, through your fundraising, to educate your engineers, to educate your regulatory people in terms of how things are going to, going to work. Um, because one of those stakeholders has a problem with that. And if you don't do that up front, then it happens in mid-development, and then the ripple from change is, you know, four times what it was, what it would have been. Um, there are many, many tools that support this now. Um, there are many, uh, 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 Figma and uh, Axure, you know, many recently, uh, or tools that have come out recently that allow you to rapid prototype. And then there are tools that turn that into software. So you kind of, you know, definitely make use of that power curve of, of the tools available today. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then the last one <clears throat> was the saturation. Um, so we, 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 we talked about this um, at the beginning is that, you know, people think they, well, I know a little bit about this and, and I'm enough to be dangerous. But, you know, when you hear that phrase, sometimes you worry the people who you know, actually know that they're not an expert in the space versus are an expert in the space. So, so what's the bridging the gap for this on other than common sense? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or don't well, have too big of an ego. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's basically, you know, if you, if you have this mental image of here's all the technologies the engineer has to know, and here's the ones for the regulatory, it, you can X out most of those and, and write it up in one, process that covers the bare essentials that you need. And um, and I, I really have a, a, uh, a pet peeve point here. Um, regulatory often has a mindset of, uh, we're well, we're going to write that you have to do that because it addresses this one point in this regulatory thing. It doesn't help us at all. But if I don't do it, then the auditor is going to ding me for it. And that's just... You know, coming from somebody who is usually has, you know, their hair on fire and is working in firefighting mode, that's just terribly not satisfying. So mm-hmm. avoid concessions to, quote, you know, there's no value, but it satisfies compliance. That's just taking, you know, a burden from one place and putting it on your engineering team. And frankly, yeah. everywhere I can, I, I do the opposite. I'd rather take the ding and, and have my management tell me that's okay. Um, I'd rather uh, uh, push back on the audit and say, no, we have safe, safety and efficacy handled, you know, via these methods, and we don't need these other methods because they're not value-added. Um, so, all right, that, end, end of soapbox. That's, that's a little soapbox for me. Um, <laughs> and, and then the last bit is if there's something that is, if you have a, a particularly distracted bunch of engineers, you know, you write basically – mini work instructions for, yeah. okay, if you're going to do a change, here's a checklist, you know, tick off mm-hmm. the checklist, put the checklist in the bug tracking tool, 
So it's in JIRA and, you know, it's part of the template and they encounter it every time they go in there. It's those sort of things that are just night and day in terms of whether or not you have compliance. Yeah. Now, now this last this last topic. So, so for those who are are are, are listening in, um, Milton gives this in a presentation format as well. So we're we're giving it a more of a conversational format and and, and kind of going through um, the different topics and whatnot that we're talking about. But but this this slide here probably has my favorite graphic I've seen in in. Um, a quality regulatory product development slide deck in a long time. And so, Milton, if you wouldn't mind walking th the listeners through what we see here, um, but it's essentially the, the, the mind, the mind, the mindset shift you have to do um, from stop saying these things and start doing this. And so can you walk us through these? Because I, I've used uh, two of these um, okay. <laughs> recently in a very similar fashion. Um, Interesting. So, so go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no. Thank you. That that that, that helps a lot because otherwise I'm trying to figure out how to shift the gears here. But uh, the, the 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 preamble I normally have for this is that everything I've t told you so far is kind of tactical. You know, it's kind of do this, don't do this, but it's not sort of higher level cognitive. And the cognitive shifts, I think that from 10, 15, 20 years ago to today, I think they're substantial. Um, I think that, um, you know, as I said, you know, we, we need to get rid of, you have to do these things because of regulations. You know, that's, that's a little bit of your parents because I said so. Um, and, you know, really, uh, again, back to the beginning of, the, of, of this discussion, you know, we want to do these three things because it's safe and effective. And we only want to do the things that are basically prove to us that it's safe and effective. And we're the manufacturer, so we're going to know this space better than any external party. And we can we are free to set up our own rationale and then defend that. So away from because I said so and more because it's a good idea. Um, the second one was basically, you know, um, like lagging monolithic processes. So this is the it shows up late. Um, there's one big way to do things. It never changes. And much more of a, you know, when you're small, start small. Um, and when you're at the beginning, you know, have a very small process and then grow it as your activities grow, again, in the vein of safe and effective. So this is really just kind of like trying to, you know, eat the dog food. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, absolute compliance versus pragmatic compliance. So every stage along the way, all the, all the way through your development, I think it's valid to say, why are we doing this again? Nobody's using this anymore. Nobody looks at that document. Um, and then adjusting. So make everything pragmatic and not we, because that's the way it's done. Um, the last one is just um, the notion of we are regulatory quality. You have to do it. Um, we, we are overhead. You know, you got to add on an extra 20 or 40 percent because it's a medical device over regular you know, commercial product development. Instead, you can flip that to, and this had, really has to come from your regulatory and quality group. It's more like, no, we're the guides to this arcane landscape. We're going to have you do the bare minimum, and I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to call the meeting. I'm going to run the meeting. I'm going to follow up on the deliverables from the meeting, and that's the role. It's, it, it's not like a proctor. It's more like a, you know support staff. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, I... Boy, I, I I learned a lot from this. Um, if you want to summarize it, um, you know, 
I think that might be might be helpful. I'm looking at um, a, an actual slide here now that kind of takes this and says, okay, we've 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 talked about these tactical items. We've talked about these these strategic shifts and how you think about it. Um, if 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 someone is saying, okay, what do I need to take away from this, Milton? Um, what is it? Yeah, I I, I think the. The, the quick arithmetic um, here is that, yeah. okay, you know, to restate this, you know, we have this cultural thing that there's a divide here. But when you look at it, okay, we have these two roles, different native, completely different native tendencies, completely different workflows. There are very, diver, there are a diverse set of personalities, meaning that there are good, good cops and bad cops in both, both camps. And there's a huge range of real complicating factors. So, so this divide is not for no reason. It's not because you got, you know, one guy who's a pain in the butt and he is bringing everybody's down. You know, there are real material reasons here. Um, so your gap ends up being, you know, it, it, it's functional, uh, it's cultural, and, you know, it also has a legacy. So you can't, note, you know, ignore the notorious legacy. Fantastic. Um, okay. Uh, Milton, I, I don't think I have any other questions here? Um, no, I, I thought this good. was yeah. this, yeah, I think this was great. Um, so I will include a link to um, ICS's uh, website, to your LinkedIn. Um, should anyone be really interested in actually seeing the slides that we kind of talked to today, you know, they can reach out to you via LinkedIn. Absolutely. Um, yep. But, but I, yeah, I think this is a really key piece that, um, you know, I just never, you never really think about the dynamics there, at least as much, but, but it, it makes total sense. So um, it was really great tackling this with you today, but, but thanks so much for joining and for the second time uh, and hang on for one more minute. We'll chat offline. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at projectmedtech.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.